worship um, this morning, which is incredible because this morning's sermon, or what's on my heart, is to talk to you about worship. <laughs> so, um, uh, those of you who know me, um, and for those who don't, my name is Sifis Mazibuko. I am uh, part of the worship team here at Shofar, and uh, worship, you could say worship is is a passion of mine. It's um, uh, a long time become a passion of mine. And um, before, I, before I continue, let, let me just pray and then I'll tell you my testimony about all of this. Father God, Lord, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for the privilege it is to just be a servant to you this morning, Father God. I pray, Lord, that, Father, you will use me, Father, as your vessel, Lord, may... May your words be spoken this morning, Father God. May may everything that I do this morning, Father God, glorify you, Father God, and bring you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I got saved in uh, 2006, so it's been uh, over a decade for me, which is really cool um, to be serving the Lord. Uh, when I got saved, um, in my lifetime, I, I did a lot of music in, in high school, so that's when I sort of... Got, got my way around uh, things that were musical, singing in the choir and all that kind of stuff. And when I got to church, I remember I remember being in church and, and, and looking at the band and thinking, that's really cool. And the guy um, there was playing one of these, a bigger version of one of these. Um, and my instrument at the time when I was doing music was also percussion. So, so I was immediately drawn to, to the gentleman. And uh, I remember speaking to him after the service because he found out that I play and that I was doing a theatrical course, which meant that I was a musical kind of guy. And, you know, there was a lot of all of that going on. And we had a chat one time and uh, he said to me, listen, if you want to if you want to join, just just come and join and, you know, I'll teach you what I know and we'll take it from there. So. So, needless to say, I had I had many incentives uh, to to join the church <laughs> because um, not only did I get saved and meet Jesus, who's my Lord and Savior, not only did that change everything in my life, but but there was something very particular that I had found that was going to make me also feel like I was feeding into the kingdom, which resonated with me, and that was music and worship, and I and I recognized that thing. In my heart, and I recognized that thing in the church, and I and I saw it, and I was like, God, I I, I want to be a part of your heavenly hosts that play djembe in eternity. Whatever band you have up there, that's what I want to be a part of, and that and that really encouraged me to to not only join the team, but to also to also feel like my expression was going to be known, you know, I was going to be able to praise the Lord, this Lord who I've, I've experienced as being the guy who's changed my life, who's turned it all around and who's given me a second chance at things, I was going to be able to thank him in a way, in a physical way. And that was very important for me, which was great, you know, and I, and I was able to join, I was able to play, I was able to be there. But the thing that can happen after a long time of worshipping God in that way, and especially the danger of being someone who is enjoys worship in that way, that could be my only way of feeling like I am close to God. That could be my only way of feeling like I am only truly worshipping God. You know, the, the, the act 
of, of service, the act of worship, the act of physical expression. And don't get me wrong, there is nothing wrong with acts of physical expression, but what I want to talk to you about this morning is, is the matters of the heart when it comes to worship. And the matters of what, what it is we base our worship on. Some, some, there are three things that I'm going to be looking at this morning. Well, three questions I want to pose to you this morning. Um, but before I want to get into that, let's, let's look at what the, uh, the world defines worship as. Now, this is, this is from Webster's Dictionary. And uh, Webster was, Webster's Dictionary was, was written by Noah Webster, who was an American, um, American guy who went out and sought, sought to set the English language out properly, but for an American perspective. So this was an interesting guy who was like, I'm going to take English, we're going to sort it out, but it's for Americans. The English in England have their own English, we're going to set out our own dictionary, and this is what, this is what we're going to say the English is in our country. And basically, he goes on to describe worship, or to define it as adoring, to pay divine honor to, Reverence with supreme respect and veneration. To honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. To perform acts of adoration. To perform religious service. Now, in my testimony, I very easily could say to you that my habit was to fall under these two. My habit was to find my validation in the acts of adoration and in the religious service that I was giving the Lord. I would feel like that is the place where I'm truly worshipping, where I'm truly giving to the Lord. But I want to submit to you this morning that that's not the only way, <laughs> that shouldn't be the only way, that shouldn't be the primary goal, that shouldn't be the primary driving force for what worship should mean to us. Number two struck me very, very deeply because I actually omitted um, a, a, a part of the uh, definition which says, at the end of it, it says, to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission, comma, as a lover. And I was like, oh, that's deep. Because, because that means my, my worship and praise my wife is in there, and uh, my, my daughter, you saw her running around singing, talking on the phone by herself and everything. My, my wife and my family are in there, and I love them. But the challenge was, is, do I love God in the same nature or even more than I do my wife, who I love dearly? It says there, extravagant love. Extravagant love means I am moved in a way that does not have boundaries. We sang it. And I'll come back to what we sang, and i come back to what we just experienced a couple of minutes ago. Extreme submission. Extreme submission means I am not just somewhat submitted, but I am prostrate before the Lord. I would lie down on the floor for you. I should, actually. This this is extreme submission. Yeah, here I am. I'm on the ground. Before the Lord, right? So, so I'm all the way down. Anything God says goes. Anything he says goes. That's the attitude of worship. And then one more that I want to highlight for you. Supreme respect and veneration. 
which means if we, if we knew the queen was going to walk in here, we would all understand supreme respect and veneration. You don't mess with the queen. She's royalty. You know, who am I? I, I would do that, you know? The queen is here. Uh, I'll tell you a fun fact, but don't tell anyone else and don't tweet this anywhere. It's going to be on record, though. Don't tweet it. But royalty was at our show last night. Was it last night? Yeah. Yeah. Prince Harry and his fiancée were there. They watched the show. But, see, what happened when they came in, the company manager came to us and the company manager said, okay, these are, the, these are strict instructions from their security detail. They may come backstage to say hi, but they may not. You know, it's a long night. They're here on a private visit. It's not an official visit. So it's not even written down on record anywhere that this is where they are at this time. It's a private visit. So for, for them, as royalty, and as, and as they have requested, no one, no one should be putting anything on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or anything that there's royalty in here. So we have to... Even if you didn't like it, even if you wanted to, you have to obey the wish of this dignitary or these royal people. And we just had to do that. And one of the girls who loves pictures and posting things on Instagram was like, why don't they want a picture? I was like, it's not for you. This is not for you. This is for them. And, and that's, that's really interesting, though, because it, it brings me to a second point of mine, which is, When we talk about worship to God, who is it for? Who, who, do we, who do we worship for? Do we worship for ourselves? Or do we worship for the King of Kings? Who do we worship for? I want to take us into scripture um, now and read from... Dong, if you could skip the, 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 the next slide and go to the following one. It starts John 4, verse 5 to 27. It's a big chunk of scripture that I want to read to you right now. But um, there's an example of, of worship in, in this passage of John that I didn't see until I, was, until I was trying to figure out, okay, God, what do you want to say? To your people this morning. What, what do you want to say through me? What, I knew I wanted to say something about worship. I knew I wanted to talk about worship. Because I'm passionate about it. And I hadn't had the opportunity to share. And I wanted to share with our congregation. Just, just what I feel about it. And, but I wanted scripture to back me up. And I wasn't sure what I was going to find. And then I found this. And. And let me, let me read. Let me read. And, and, and you'll, you'll, you'll see what I'm, what I'm getting at. Okay, John 4, verse 5. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sakar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied after his, after he, as he was from, a, from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour, so about midday. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan women said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, 
if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everybody who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. That water that I will give him will become, will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming where neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and now and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, He who is called the Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. Okay, so... I just, I just wanted to read that so that it washes over you. That's, that's a very dense part of scripture which has a lot of information in it. So we're going to back up now to the beginning. Okay? We're going to back up and just follow with me here. So at the beginning of it all, Jesus is at the well. He's gone on a long journey. He's sitting there. He's thirsty. A woman comes up to him who is not part of his ethnic group, culture, denomination. They, they're not meant to mingle. Okay? So there are many Boundaries and many things that Christ is breaking from the get-go of this of this encounter, and I want you to understand that the God we serve is bigger than anything you think is holding you back, bigger than anything you think might disqualify you from His love, bigger than anything you think might remove you from His love. Okay, He sits there with this woman. And he says to me, he says to her, give me a drink. The woman says, no, 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 you're a Jew, I'm Samaritan, I can't do that. That's not cool. And then he says in verse 10, he answered her, if you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would, give, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. So, so Jesus is already showing us the first place or the first point of true worship. For us to be true worshippers, whatever, whatever we might have an understanding of it, to me, Scripture is pointing me to having received the gift of God, which is salvation in Christ, right? So salvation. Salvation, that's where it all begins. Yeah? Cool. So we need to, we need to have made that step for us to understand what he's talking about later on when he says, you know, the hour is coming 
when the true worshippers will worship in spirit and in truth. Right? So, 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 let me continue on from verse 11. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where, where do you get that living water? Are you greater than Jacob? Alright, so now we, now we have a context of, of ancestral cultural lineage and heritage that most people will stand on. An understanding of religion that most people will stand on. This is what I'm getting from this. There's an understanding of religion. If you don't worship God, we all worship something. It just depends what or who. Right? We all have a sense or a, a barometer of worship. It just depends on who or what it is. And most of us, if we don't know Christ, that will stand on some kind of religion that is passed down from your generations, whether you like it or not. If it's an atheistic point of view, that is a religious point of view, and uh, that is something that is passed down that you are adopting and will pass down to someone else. Right? So she's standing on what she knows. Jacob, who was there, who made, who gave them the well, and they, and he drank from it. The livestock drank from it. And Jesus goes to challenge her, and he says, "Everybody who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever come, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst again." This is verse fourteen. Will never thirst again. The water that I will give him will become like a spring, welling up to eternal life. And we know that that's the promise that Jesus has given us. That Jesus in our lives, the living water, if, you go, if, you, if we go back to John 3, where Jesus talks about, pardon me for a second. If we go to John 3, it's not, it's not in, in, in the slides, but, but just humor me for a second. You all, you all will know of the story of Nicodemus and, and, and Jesus talking, and he's this Pharisee, and he's like, I don't get, there's something I don't get. And Jesus is like, okay, I understand that you don't get this, but you don't get it because you're not born again, right? And he's like, what do you mean I'm not born again? How, how do I, I'm, however Nicodemus was, Nicodemus was old. Right? So he's like, how do I go back into my mother's womb and become born again? I am paraphrasing here, but please go read John 3 so that you can see what's going on. I just don't want to go through it all so that you can understand the conversation between the two of them. He's like, how do I go back into my mother's womb and become born again? He's like, no, no, no. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is a spiritual transition from what you are and what you know into an eternal one, right? So there's a reality and there's a natural going into an eternal. And what you need to do for that is you need to die to yourself, you need to repent, and you need to be baptized, and you need to come. When you come out of the water, you are a new person in Christ you need to give your life to you know we know we know what it is and then further on in John 3:16 he says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life yeah and this is the water that Jesus is talking about when he says to her this person will never thirst because they will have what i will give them which is the gift of eternal life i will give them i will continue to give because i am a I am a source of life that never runs out. 
which brings me to something that God is and who God is, which is which means which is God is eternal. God is an eternal God. God is a God that will not and ha- and has not been defeated by the elements of the universe, defeated by the elements of the world and the world's changes and all of that. God has been, He is, and He will forever be. Yeah, and this is the this is the water that Jesus is talking about to this woman. I will not. You will not thirst. You will not lack. You will not need because I am your forever giving source. But let's continue on before I get to what I need to get to here, which is which is the 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 bit about the worship and worship to God. So we so we understand that salvation is an important key, the gift of life, and that gift of life being accompanied by Jesus, who is our giver of life. Our forever giving source of water, yeah? And now, in verse 18, from verse 17, the woman answered, oh, no, sorry, pardon me, 16. Jesus said to her, go and call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying you have no husband. You have had five husbands, and and, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. Now, what's incredible to me when I was reading through this and... This woman didn't know who Jesus was at the time. She didn't know who Jesus was, but she was struck by this man, right? And she does not go ahead and bow down to her shame and try and lie about her life. She does not do that. She outrightly, this is, this is the point where I was like, oh my goodness, I've never seen this before. Repentance. She repents in front of the Lord. In a simple line, right? Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. She doesn't go, oh no, <laughs> you know, I, you know, my guy is, he's far away, I can't go and get. She says to him outright, with Jesus not saying anything about her having five hus- having had five husbands, her being in, in another relationship that's not actual relationship that, you know, that would, would be allowed in that, in that day and time and custom. She, she hasn't got, he hasn't gotten to that point yet. But she, from the get-go, having met the king of kings, understands repentance and says to him, I have no husband. And that's it. I believe it's a challenge from Jesus to see if she would be honest with him about her true state of relationships. And sometimes we have that in our lives where Christ will give us challenges when we need to be honest in our hearts about what it is we are responding to. Are we trying to protect something? Are we trying to hide something? Are we to, God sees everything, and that goes beyond saying. But there's something about us as people that when we feel like we're blocked in a corner, like, like we are wounded for some reason, or we don't have, um, our, our defenses are down, we feel like we have to fight even more to protect those things. And in that, in that response, we either fabricate or protect or over-embellish in the truth to try and protect ourselves. This woman had no reason to bear her all <laughs> before God, who she didn't know was the Messiah yet. She did not know that. But, I tell you this, what happens when each and every one of us meets the king is a sense 
of not being able to stand and do the same pattern of things? How much, how much, of, how much lying has she been able to do in her lifetime? In her, in her past relationships. But she's with the King of Kings and there's this one clear interaction that she has with him. It's just me and you. What is the truth of your life? What is the truth that you know in your heart, I believe, is what's happening in that one response? What is the truth of your life at this, po- at this moment? I have no husband is the truth of her life. I'm going to ask you, what is the truth of your life? In any moment where you are up against moments of difficulty, when you are up against moments of difficulty, what is choose to be honest with yourself in your heart or do you opt out of another option the Samaritan woman showed me something that I hadn't seen in a long time she chose to repent That's not, it's, it's, it's a vital step of wanting to get to what we're going to get to in verses 21 to 24 talking about true worshippers repentance is a key for true worshippers because repentance deals with matters of the heart Repentance deals with the condition of your heart. You cannot lie. We cannot lie to God. I cannot lie to the Lord. And especially especially feeling like I enjoy worship and I, and I love worship and I will worship and, and I can worship. God loves that. But my worship is no different or better or better smelling than the person who worships next to me. If their heart, if the condition of, of Sally's heart is exactly after God's heart, her worship is much more desired than what my worship would be. Even if my worship I felt in the time, in the moment, which is why I asked you, who do you worship for? Even if I felt in that time and in that moment that my worship was all oh, the greatest experience I'm ever feeling, Remember the definition of, of, of worship at the end? The last two points was acts, a religious service, and acts of adoration. Sometimes we get wrapped up in the experience that we, that we forget that if, you want to be, if we want to be in a place where we're really talking about truthful, spirit-led, heart-to-heart, God's heart, my heart worship, it's got nothing to do with how well we do something. It's got everything to do with the motivations in our hearts for that thing. Let's keep pushing on. Verse 19. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And here we are sort of like wrapping up to the end of it. He says, Jesus says, Women, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. We can only worship, truly worship, what we know. Jesus is talking about something that I think many of us, well, at least I I feel in, in our modern day, 
we don't know who we worship. You can only worship something you really know. The fans that cheer for Liverpool or Chelsea or Man United, they know who they worship because they will know that team. You ask them about any fact, any statistic, any anything. When was this player bought? How much was this player bought for? Who did this manager do this to? What, 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 and, and you'll be astounded at the level of depth that someone will give you information about a team and its players and its roster and its substitutes and its strikers and defenders and managers and everything, even down to the cleaning people at the stadium. They will know everything. There's nothing wrong with knowing that. All I'm saying to you is, all I'm proposing and wanting to put in front of you is, we have a duty then to know as much as we can about God through this book for us to really know who it is we worship. In the same kind of tenacious attitude that a sports fan will go crazy about their, the athletes in that team, there is, a same, there is a tenacity that we need to have in understanding who God is for us to really know who it is we worship and us to be affected in our hearts as to how we worship. Let's continue. 22. You do not know. Um, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. So we know, for us to be spirit with God, we know that salvation has to take place. And part of that salvation is repentance. Part of that is also baptism. Both forms of baptism. Water baptism, Holy Spirit baptism. Because God is spirit. So we know, we know that that's, that's an integral part of getting to a place of identifying as a true worshipper. But then the last bit of that is the truth part, which is the part that I'm wanting to sort of nudge us toward in terms of the heart. Truth, I looked up the definition for truth, and truth is basically this. Something that accurately, accurately responds to a fact. If something is a fact and it's and it's it's an irrefutable fact, it's the truth. That is truth. We take it as truth. In our day and age, we live in, in a very different climate for understanding what truth is. For understanding what truth is. And here the Messiah is trying to nudge us towards something I, I believe is not, not just about what it is, but who it is. So I'm going to step into who it is we worship. If we're going to go to the next, next slide, please. What do we base our worship on? A.W. Tauzer, which is, which is a, a guy I, I, I'm, I've, I've heard a lot about in Christian circles. And then until I went to sort of look and do a bit of a study for myself, this is something he said at one point. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Now, I want to, I, I'm, trying to, I'm wanting to build a, a, a picture for us all. 
What he says here is super, super potent. What you think about anything, what you think about anything is going to influence your response and your motivations towards that thing. What you think about God has to be based on something. If it's based on the things that we are fed outside of this room or outside of this gathering of, of saints, and it is fed, it is based on things that we see in media, see in circles all around us, then that thing is going to determine the next quote, which he says, Man's spiritual history will positively demonstrate that no religion has ever been greater than its idea of God. Worship is pure or base as a worshiper entertains high or low thoughts of God. Which means, whatever we, we understand as being God, if, if, if my source of getting that information is not based on what God's, God's truth about himself is, then my source of information is going to be the thing that I build my, my perception or idea of who God is. The Samaritan woman had a perception of who she thought was Jesus. She says, I perceive that you are a prophet. She wasn't wrong, but she thought that was all that this man is, a prophet. Oh cool, you've got a cool trick, you can tell me about my life. I know prophets who can do that. I know people who can do that. Right? Pharaoh, when, the, when, when God was getting the Israelites out of Egypt, Pharaoh had a similar attitude to challenging God. Oh, you can do tricks? I've got some people who can do tricks as well. Check out my magicians. They can make a cane into a, into a thing and then turn it back into a cane. Can you do that? No, I can't do that. You know, so there's lots of stuff. There's lots of things that we in our day and age are confronted with as to who God is. Yeah? I'm going to keep going. If you, if, just hold on with me here. Because I'm, I'm trying to get us into a place where we, we, are trying, we, we understand that for, for you and I to really experience true worship, excuse me, it has to be from a place of understanding who God is in our hearts. And as Christians, we all need to have a baseline understanding, a same, 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 same understanding. There's no argument, because if we're reading from the same book, there shouldn't be an argument as to who God is. The only thing that should be different is the fact that you and I are different. So we will have differences when it comes to it. God is the same. God is the same, 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 same. You and I are different. Alright, next slide please. Okay, so what, whatever then, whatever we think defines us, it plays a big role in forming our, our true identity and it informs how we worship. Next slide, slide please, Dong. Do we base our worship only on what God has done for us? These are three things that I, I thought about as I was preparing this. Like, okay, do we base it on what, what He has done? Do we base it on our ability to do things for Him? Or do we base it on who He is? And what's interesting for me is that the chapter of John 4, read the entire thing. John 4, from the beginning to the end. I tell you, there are, there are these three examples are in there. John 4, 4, 48 says, 
This is when Jesus now, later on, he's been with the, with the woman, and the woman has gone out into the, into the town, and she's told everyone about everything that, she's, that, um, that he's done for her or told her, right? And so she's immediately empowered and encouraged into, into being an evangelist, and many people in the town believe in Jesus, which is incredible. It's an incredible testimony that this Samaritan woman has. Later on, he goes, he goes I'm going to read from 46, just a couple of lines. So, he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water into wine, and in Capernaum, where um, there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him, Come down and heal his and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. In this chapter, everything I needed to see and understand about worship was right there. In in my experience of wrestling with whether or not I worship God only for what he's done for me, this official now, I want to say this to you, before I, before I keep going. There's nothing wrong. Of course we're going to worship God for what He's done for us. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you only base your worship on what God has done for you, I'm going to guarantee you that somewhere in your life, when you believe that God isn't responding fast enough to your situation, you are going to withdraw your worship from Him. Which is the danger for just worshiping God for what He has done for us. And in this scripture, Jesus says to this official, because this official remembers the time when he turned the water into wine, right? Because his, his legend has gone all over the town. So he's like, go get that guy, bring him here, tell him, my son is ill, I want him to heal my son. And Jesus says, you will, unless I perform signs and wonders, you will not believe. Which is another, which is another response, another way of saying, unless I do things for you, you won't have your full faith and weight thrown into me. You won't have your full extreme submission that we saw earlier thrown into me. The official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. So this is another part of, of God that is being expressed here. God in, in, his, in, in his merciful and compassionate love, God says to him, Jesus says to him, Go, your son will live. So even though there's a part of him that recognizes that this man is after signs and wonders, God is still gonna, he's going to look after us. He is going to do things for you. But he's also going to challenge you with the things that he sees in your heart. The condition of your heart is the thing that you really want to be running after if we want to go off true worship. He's going to challenge you with the condition of your heart, and that is going to be about what it is you, you base your worship on. Do we base it on our abilities ourselves, the things we do ourselves? Let me show you something earlier on in that scripture, in John 4. You can go read this for yourself. It's 31 to 33. I'm going to read it for you, so just listen to the scriptures. This is now, remember earlier on the disciples had gone out to get food, right? So they come back, and they see him with this woman. And he's talking to her, and no one says anything. So this is now from 27. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, What do you seek, or why are you talking with her? Let me jump to verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him to eat, because they'd gone out to buy food. Yeah, 
They'd gone out to buy food for their king. Serve him. Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to him, My food is to do the will of my Father who sent me and to accomplish his work. What's interesting there is that the disciples were doing everything right. Does anyone agree or disagree with me? The disciples were doing everything right. They need food to eat. Jesus is a human being. He is going to be hungry, so he needs to eat. I'm going out to buy you food, Jesus. We're going to come back. When we've got the food, we're going to eat together. Rabbi, eat. Now, what's interesting to me when I read that, and I was like, oh, these guys are doing everything. They are basing their worship on their ability to do something for their king, which is to serve him, which is right. It's right to serve God. But it is also right to understand and to, if we are in sync with the Lord, to understand where the Lord is going and to fall in line with what the Lord's purposes are at any given moment in any given time. Do you understand what I'm saying? It is fine to serve the Lord. It is right to serve the Lord. These guys are doing the right thing. They are doing what they can. They went out in their ability to serve God. But God has his own timing for things. It is right for us to gather like this. It's important for us to gather like this. But if all we do in gathering like this, if God had said to us this morning, hey, um, I'd like you to change the program and just go out and do X, Y, Z. If we are wrapped up in the, no, Lord, we have to. Look, Sifiso needs to preach. We need to hear from him, Lord. This is his moment. If we are wrapped up in all of that, or if I'm wrapped up in all of that, then I miss what God's heart is, and I miss what true worship and true serving is. My serving has to be, at any given moment, in extreme submission, total submission to the Lord's will and the Lord's way. Now, these fellas are not one-time guys who interacted with God. They were walking with Jesus all the way through. So it's not like this is new to them. But Jesus understands that there's a lot for them to learn. So Jesus does go ahead and teach them. And he's patient with them. He's patient with showing them there is something greater at stake here than just your ability to serve me right now. There is a whole town that is leaning on and waiting to be saved by this interaction that I had with this woman. You are going to miss it, and I might miss doing the will of my father if you just want me to eat food right now. If that makes, does that make sense to you? Jesus is not subject to our good works and wills and services. Jesus is not subject to what you and I can do for him. We are subject to what he can do through us. That is what's happening here with the disciples. He's saying to them, I am not subject to the food you have for me. The food I have is from the one who sent me. Okay, let's keep going. Last one. And I, and I surmise that you all understand that we should be basing our worship on who God is. 
we should be basing our worship on who God is. Who is he then? Let me read you a couple of scriptures that I put together. Let's keep going down. Who is God? 1 Corinthians 10.13 No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to, to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. John 1, 1 John 1, 5. The, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light. And in him is no darkness. 2 Peter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, instead he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Genesis 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning God created the heavens. I'm, 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 I'm reading a couple of scriptures to you that are not even a 0.0.0.01% of what the Bible says God, who God is in scripture. Please go and search the scriptures and make a list for yourself to see who God is in scripture. So I guarantee you, us meditating on who God is will be embedded in our hearts and that will be the place through which you and I should be coming to worship Him. God is faithful. God is patient. God is the creator of all things. Let's keep going, Don. Let me just move through these. Um, Isaiah 40. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No government system or structure stands against the Lord. First James, James 1.17, every good and perfect gift, God is a good God. God gives good gifts. If you don't believe these things, if you don't believe these scriptures, then it's going to be difficult to be able to step into a place where you trust God fully, where you are fully submitted to God, where you are willingly, extravagantly in love with Him and doing the things that He asks you to do. If you don't believe these things, if you don't believe that God is good, if you don't believe that God is Numbers 23.17, if you don't believe that God is not human and so he does not um, stand boxed in by human parameters and human, um, 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 what is this, boundaries, not boundaries, but God's just bigger than that. He's bigger than us. He's bigger than our ability to work. He's bigger than our ability to earn money. He's bigger than our ability to, to be able to talk to people or blah, 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 blah. God can do more than that. He can do more than our human bodies are subjected to. Psalm 18. He's perfect. God's word is flawless. His shields all, he shields all who take refuge in him. He, he does not he does not disappoint. God does not disappoint. Psalm 50. He's righteous. He's a God of justice. Psalm 116. He's gracious. He's full of compassion. Psalm 68. He's sovereign. If we don't know these things about who God is, then I'm, I challenge, I'm, I'm challenging our hearts and minds that where we worship and who we worship and how we worship is going to be 
influenced by what we think of God. We need to ask God, as Romans 12 verse 1 says, we need to trust God to transform and renew our minds for us to be able to see Him for who He is. That's the only place you will, we will all come from, come out of ourselves to really worship and, and, and praise Him from a place of truth. The spirit part is, is, is all sorted out. The spirit part Jesus took care of. When we, all, when we all repented and we all asked Him to be our Lord and Savior and we all got baptized and we all did all of those things. And, and, and if you haven't, please talk to, to, to one of the pastors and, and me, anyone, about those things. We, we, all, we all subjected and submitted ourselves under the Lordship of Christ. Because we understand and we see that, yeah, Jesus is Lord. But there's another part of being a worshipper in spirit and in truth that has to be taken care of. If Jesus took care of the one part, like God is the gentleman that he is, he doesn't force anything over us, we have to take care of the truth part. And the truth is the human part. The truth is the hard part. The truth is your truth, my truth, our truth, how we see and understand God to be. Now, the gentleman that I quoted um, earlier, A.W. Tozer, he's, he's got a book called um, The Attributes of God. If, Dong, if you can go to the, to the last, second last slide. Um, it's called The Attrib- Attributes of God. This is not all from Sifiso's mind. These are from other scholars, people, incredible um, people. And he's, a, he's an incredible pastor who's written so much and, and, and given a lot to to just the understanding of who God is, just through being a servant for the Lord. And this... This is not at all extensive, but it's a list of what he has, and many others, have through scripture and seen through scripture, what they have been able to attribute or give, give, um, what's the word, give their, they basically were able to just surmise that God's attributes are the following things from scripture. Right? That he is omnipotent, meaning that he is all-powerful. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. In your time of need, wherever you are, if you go out to Malaysia, if you're in South Africa, if you're in Greenland, if you're in the North Pole, if you're in Antarctica, wherever you are, wherever you are, if you have the Lord and Savior in your life, you can reach people in those places because he is there as well. He's with you, and he is there as well. He's omniscient. He knows all. He is love, He is good, He is sovereign, we talked about that, He is just, He is eternal, we talked about that, He is wise, He is holy. Next bit, self-existing, self-sufficient, merciful, immutable, immutable meaning unchanging. The same yesterday, today, tomorrow. Eternal, He is gracious. These are the attributes of God. I, I am... And so excited to do a study of each and every one of these things in terms of the understanding of, of Tauza himself. And, and what it is for me to want to know who God really is. And to find that proof in scripture. Because these, I, I, what I didn't do was I didn't go all the way in adding scriptures to all of these. Because there are. I, I'm wanting you, I'm asking you, to do that journey for yourself. Because there's a lot in here that is answerable 
by your own individual journey. A lot of the times, I've had it, and I still have it sometimes, where I lean so much on what I hear, what I see, what I read, um, the worship album I listen to, that I, I give so much of myself and my own capacities to those things. And don't get me wrong, Hillsong is cool, Bethel's cool, they're all great, they do wonderful music. But that's not true worship. <laughs> you having a lovely experience with an album is not true worship. Yes, it facilitates true worship. It can facilitate an experience of being close to God. But it is not true worship. True worship is really understanding, knowing who God is, and so that everything you do, from the time you wake up in the morning to the time you go to bed at night, so that everything you do is supported by, driven by, motivated by the king you serve, because you know the king you serve. There's this knowing, and then there's this knowing. We're talking about this knowing this morning. We're talking about heart knowing. We're talking about worship that is truly in here. Yeah, let me just leave you with that. How do you see God? How we see Him will affect and influence how we engage, interact, and ultimately worship Him. Does that make sense this morning? You have a lot to give the Lord. You have a lot to give the Lord. You have a lot to give the Lord. But what you have to give the Lord, this is the surprise. What you have to give the Lord is only because the Lord gave you something. And what he has given us is the ability to stand in front of him and stand in front of witnesses and go, Laura, you can come up, and go, I see you, God, for being the king of kings, the guy who created everything. I see you, God, for the God who is in control of all situations. I see you, God, for the God who knows what I'm thinking. I worship you, God, not just outwardly, not just with my outsideness and my legs and hands and jumping up and singing and voices, and I, I don't just express my worship in that way. I really want to stress, we do worship that way. Yes, we do. And it's important to worship that way, and it's important to be empowered to worship that way, and to do that freely. But that's not what God is after. I'd be, I'd, I'd be doing a disservice this morning if I said to you, the only way you can worship truly is by being able to join the band. That being said, if you've got skills, we're looking for people to join the band. Um, no, 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 I digress. That would be a disservice to the King of Kings. Because he's not looking for that kind of worship. <laughs> if, that's, if that's new to you, I'm glad I'm able to say it to you. God is not looking for the kind of worship where you just come on a Sunday, you sing the couple of songs that we sing, and then we leave. That isn't true worship. True worship is having the experience the Samaritan woman had with God. Having her life changed, her mind changed, her heart changed, everything changed. And her being submitted to the king of kings for her to go and do what he has empowered her to do. For her, 
it was an incredible response to the rest of the town. Her testimony saved many. For you, it is something else. But you will miss it if you don't see the true King of Kings for who He is. All of those things that we saw. One last thing before we close. Please don't trust in your own ability to do things. It is testament to how God works. God uses the weak to confound the wise. He will bring you out of what you are going through because He is faithful. And He will, He will continue to bring those promises that He says to you to pass. He will bring them to pass because He is God. Let me pray for us. Father God, Lord, I thank you, Father, for just your word of truth. Father, I I pray, Father, for each and every person in here, Lord. Father, that we won't stand on our own ability to do things, Father. That we won't just worship you for what you have done for us, Father. Although we know that it's incredible and that you will always continue to be faithful to do because you love us. But Father, this morning we recognize, Father God, that because you loved us, we love and we serve and we lift up our hearts to you. We worship you. We thank you, Father, for that for that action, Father God, that that action of not just physically lifting up our hands, Father, but lifting up our hearts to you. That you will see right through it, that you will deal with it, that you will hold it in your hands, Father, that you, Father God, will surround us with your will. That we, in return, Father, will be extremely submitted to you. That we, in return, Father God, will pour our un divided attention and love and adoration towards you. That there will be supreme respect and veneration. That there will be extravagant love overflowing in our hearts because Jesus, the King of Kings, lives in us and is that spring of living water. He is that source. You are that source, Father God, that continues to just bubble up in our spirits. Father, I pray that you will continue your work in each and every individual here, Father. And I ask, Father, most of all, Lord, that as your children, Father God, you will show us how to be true worshippers in spirit and in truth. Amen. Thank you for coming. I just want to mention two things and then we can have a break and we're going to pray for each other and then Dong will also share something. But, Safiso has drawn a very powerful sword here this morning. Um, It's not just a message on worship. (laughs) This thing is going to cut through worship and worship. 
Yeah, I mean, it's very challenging message. I was sitting there and I was thinking, God, how do you look at Sundays and who sings what? I mean, we've got loads of things going on in loads of churches and if I understand God correctly, he's standing and he's watching. Do I have Samaritan women worshipping? Or do I have people just wanting to bring me food? So that's the one end, but it's a good thing. It's a good thing that you've done it. Because we've got to start thinking about this. True worship. I'm not talking a nice vibe. I'm talking true worship. God's talking true worship. So, so that. The other thing is the challenge. And that we're going to pray for each other now. It's always very difficult for where you are at and how you feel now. To think beyond that. Sometimes we think God sees us the way we feel. I'm going to say it again. Sometimes we think God sees us the way we feel. Or God sees us the way we experience things around us. And it's not true. But it's a thing that all of us struggle with. Don't worry. It's just one of those things. Because we're in this river. And it's flowing. And then God says get out. And you're saying but I'm having a great time. But he sees the crocodiles around the corner. You know, and then he wants us to get out because his perspective of how he sees things is just so brilliant. So sometimes it's difficult. So what, I'm gonna, what I want us to do, we're just going to pray for each other that God will open the eyes of our heart. You know that song, Open the Eyes so that I can see you clearly? So if you just need to be, your eyes to be open, in other words, it's a mold that's been shaken and it's cool, don't worry. Everything is shaken now at this stage so that only that must remain will remain. We have an unshakable kingdom. So if you want that prayer, just to, to, as Sophia said, not no, but no. You can see with your mind, but you can also see with your heart. And someone once said, one, I can't remember, but one of the longest distances for to know something is from year to year. It's one thing to know somebody here, but if you know somebody here, now that distance for the knowledge to travel to your heart, it's a long distance. It's long. So we're going to pray that, that God will open the eyes of our hearts just to see Him and worship, and then we will experience Him in a new way. So he said it's a very prophetic message. I just wish every church could hear it this morning. And I can guarantee you, Sophie, if you've preached it here, God is raising our people right across the world that's preaching the same thing. He's just challenging everybody right across the world. What are you bringing to me on a Sunday? I can truly sense it. And I like the wells theme, Sally. We were at a well that was handed over and we must contend for that well. I believe that's a well of worship this morning. I agree. There's a well of worship that we must open. So I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty excited. So if you need that prayer, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you come. Dong, you can share as we pray for the people. You can share right from there, Dong. You know how it goes. Your mind says if you do more of this, it will work. <laughs> you know how it goes. It's just one of those human tendencies. But we're going to pray. And um, I want to thank you it is immensely blessing to sit under your ministries, people. I am truly fed. Thank you. As you continue your sing, we're going to pray, we're going to oil and pray, and then we're going to have some coffee. Hey, okay.
Thank you. Let's come. Let's pray for you if you need prayer.